Good morning all, this is Michael and welcome to the Blood Walk. And today, tell you what, I want to have a discussion with you guys on the 144,000. I want to talk to you about what it takes, what it takes to be in that number. And I also want to talk to you about who these guys are. All right, are you ready? To begin with, none of these men, none of these 144,000 are Christians. And I got to tell you something, is that I have heard so many bizarre explanations (laughs) into who these guys are that uh, you guys have probably heard them too. I've heard everything from these are little children, you know, like under the age of five or six to, uh, oh my gosh, you know, well, 144,000 Jews, you know, so on and so forth. But it's just... The reason why Christians have such a hard time with this group, and I think it has to do with with this, is that A, these are virgins, and B, no guile, no lie is found in them. Unfortunately, with Christianity, they have, it, it seems to me, it just seems to me, they have absolutely no knowledge whatsoever into the house of Israel. They seem to forget, or else maybe they don't read uh, um, Chronicles, or they don't read Kings, or they don't understand. Look, Israel was two nations. You had the house of Israel in the north. They were called the house of Israel. You had the house of Judah in the south, and they were called the house of Judah. Two separate nations. There was a split um, after the death of Solomon when his son took the throne. Go back and read the story. This guy was a jackass. He was a jerk. Um, just a heavy-handed little spoiled brat, right? Yeah, and the kingdom split up. Ten tribes went to the north, and three stayed in the south. You had Judah, Benjamin, and uh, and the house of Levi. Um, the priesthood stayed with uh, stayed with Judah. But anyway, enough of that. Let's discuss the term virgin. All right, these are not. When it says virgin, it's not referring to a sexual virgin. It's not referring to a physical virgin. The reason why these 144,000 are called virgins is because their heart is fixed upon the Lamb of God. They don't follow Paul. They don't follow church. They don't follow denominations. They don't follow the news. They follow the Lamb of God wherever he goes. And you've got to identify who the Lamb of God is in this instance, all right? The Lamb of God, you have to know this, people. The Lamb of God is the word of truth. The word of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, all right? What's the truth? The truth is the Torah, all right? They have no lie in their mouth. No guile is found within them. These men have come. They were called out by the Lamb to follow Him, to take up the cross and follow Him. These 144,000 heard that word. They dropped everything. They forsook everything. They picked up the cross, and they are following. I say they are following the Lamb of God. All right? So they follow the lamb wherever he goes. And where did Yahshua say the lamb was going to lead you to? All right, go back and look at what Yahshua says about the Holy Spirit, right? 
the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of the Torah is going to lead you and guide you into all truth, into all the Torah and all understanding. That's where these guys are going to. They're going into the realm of absolute truth. They're going into the realm of exquisite understanding, right? That's why the Lamb is leading them to the springs, to rivers of living water, all right? Um, okay, and real quick here, and, and I'm sorry that I'm jumping around a little bit here, all right? But I wanted to talk about the age of these men in this 144,000. Because like I say, I've heard everything from three-year-olds to, oh my God, it's just bizarre things out there. And one of the reasons why Christians are totally unable to figure these things out is, again, it, and it's what I tried to get to in the beginning, is that there is no conceptual understanding, it seems to me, in Christianity concerning the house of Israel. Because they are taught that the house of Israel are the Jews. And it's like, no, that is not true, Christian. <laughs> there are, Judah is a minority in Israel. That is one tribe. One tribe. All right, there's 12. You know, there's not one, there's 12. Right? And the reason why I was telling you about the house of Israel is because, and this goes back into, uh, it would really behoove you guys if you just go to Amazon, go to Google Books or, or, or Kindle Books or whatever, and see if you can download a copy of this book. And it's called Judas Scepter and Joseph's Birthright. And this has to do with the migration of the ten tribes of Israel, all right, after they were uh, carried away into captivity by the Assyrians, all right. And where all these tribes ended up. And it is one of the most fascinating, exciting books I've ever read in my life. And this thing, guys, was uh, put into the Library of Congress in 1903. So this book's been around for a long, long time. And it was a brilliant work that was done. Another outstanding book that you guys need to pick up is uh, from Stephen M. Collins. And his book is called The Lost Ten Tribes Found. And this one is going to blow your mind. It is, it is so good. I mean, historical, archaeological data. I mean, you would not believe, guys, how Israel, how the house of Israel was all over America. Um, between, between, <laughs> between the time of David, all right, and the time of Yahshua, well, not the time of Yahshua, but for about 700 years, Israel was all over America. I mean, at the headwaters of the Rio Grande, you have the Ten Commandments inscribed in Paleo-Hebrew. All right? Absolute known fact, the, uh, uh, the, the mounds that you find, the, the earth mounds in, uh, in Iowa, um, I think some in Nebraska, I've seen them in Missouri, but they're all over the Midwest. And as they've gone through and they've excavated these mounds, they have found Hebrew script written on, on, on the insides of these mounds. These, these things are, you know, once they get in there and they start digging them out, all of a sudden all this Hebrew stuff starts coming out, you know, script. Uh, Paleo-Hebrew, you know, written on walls, written on artifacts. Uh, they have found in Wisconsin uh, these ancient mines, right, that they figure are about 3,000 years old. And uh, 
Anyway, they figure 500 million tons of ore were taken from these mines around the time of Solomon. All right. You also have, you have Judah all over Great Britain at this time also. I mean, David also had 10 mines in Wales. You know, so a, a lot of the things that you, that you do not get in Christianity has to do with a severe lack of, of good you know, historical studies, right? But it's starting to come out. And uh, another really good place you can go to find out about this, and, and it's called Britam, B-R-I-T-A-M, Britain, America. And this one is done by, uh, by an Israeli Jew, and his name is Yair Davidi. You can go to his website. You know, I think it's called Britam.org. But he gives a tremendous amount of information there about um, about the tribes that uh, folks consider to be lost. And it would behoove you, it would behoove you to read these books, to study this stuff, and begin to sense what's going on inside of you when you do. If you start feeling a little spiritual excitement down in your gut or in your heart, guess what, folks? You probably got a connection. You probably have a bloodline connection to the house of Israel. Because like I say, it is more than the Jews, people. It is more than Jews, okay? Always has been, but this has been one of the great follies of Christianity is they could not see beyond the Jews. So consequently, when it comes to the 144,000, Christianity says, well, these are 144,000 Jews. And I'm going, are you insane? I mean, you, you read, read the book, man, or read the script there, right? 12,000 from each tribe. Not just 144,000 out of Judah. This is 12,000 from each tribe. Two tribes are missing, the tribe of Dan and the tribe of Ephraim. And if you go back and read Genesis, Ephraim was swallowed up by the Gentiles, swallowed up by the nations. So in the book of Revelation, um, Ephraim is replaced with the house of Joseph. You know, Joseph was the daddy of, of Ephraim. The house of Joseph is still around, but Ephraim got swallowed up. And all you got to do is take a look at what's going on in Britain right now. And you can see this thing really being fulfilled in a terrible, horrible way. What's happening in Britain and what's happening all over Europe with the invasion of Islam. These are not migrants. These are invaders. So I said all that to say all this. That uh, these are not just young men. The reason why they think they're young is because they're calling them virgins, right? But this is not, like I say, not, these are not physical virgins. These are spiritual virgins, all right? Their loyalty is not to the church. Their loyalty, obviously, is not to the pope. Their loyalty is not to Paul. Their loyalty is not to Christianity. Their loyalty is not to their pastor. It's not to their congregation. Their first primary loyalty is, is, is a love of their hearts, and that is Yahshua the Messiah, and they have never at any time followed after anybody else. They did not commit that kind of spiritual adultery, all right, by hopping into bed with Paul and rejecting Yahshua, receiving Paul. This is what's happened to Christianity, and it's tragic that they have utterly rejected the words of the Son of God, and they have imbibed and polluted and defiled themselves with the word of Paul. And it has put them in such horrible and thick unbelief that sometimes, folks, i got to tell you, I get, I get 
very concerned for the Christians, very concerned because of the thickness of the unbelief that is within them. And that has to do with Paul. So I wanted to say that these are not just young men. These are men of all ages. Uh, you, got, you have in this group, you have men in their 70s. You have men in their 60s, their 50s, their 40s, their 30s. And I would imagine you have many of them in, in their 20s. But again, what is separating these guys from the crowd? What separates them from the crowd? They have no guile. No lie is found within them. And that means, folks, again, I'm going to say it again. These guys are filled with the spirit of the Torah, okay? The Torah. Thy Torah is the truth. Always make that connection. When you come across the word truth, always make the connection. Torah, truth, Torah, truth, truth, Torah. Thy Torah is the truth. No guile is found in them. No deception is found in them. No deceit is found in them. These men are the walking, talking, living, breathing words of the living God. This is who they are becoming, all right? Now, I'll say one other thing about these guys is that each and every one of them, every one of these 144,000 has come into a powerhouse encounter in the fear of God because I'm going to tell you something, folks. It takes the fear of God to keep you uh, in, in, in that place of, of, of sweet obedience. And I'm going to call it that, sweet obedience. This is not begrudging. You're not complaining. And, and these guys, they don't. They don't complain when God tells them to do something. They don't mumble. They don't grumble. They just do it. All right? This is the main thing, people, is that when the word comes to you, do it. Okay? That's what these guys do. So what does it take to be in that number? A, let's begin here with something very simple. Let's call it desire. If you have a desire, my friend, to be in that group, look at this. Delight yourself in Yahweh, and he will give you the desires of your heart. All right? You all delight yourself in your heavenly Father. And guess what? Many of you truly do have a desire to be in that group, but sometimes you're thinking that is too big. That's, that's, that's too big for me. Who am I to be called to this group, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got that kind of thought in your mind, who am I to be called to this group? Well, there it is. You're humble. If you can't even hardly fathom being called to this group, you got a certain humility in you. But I'll tell you what, if you are hearing this, you are called. You are called. If you are following after the Lamb of God with all your heart, you got a very good chance of, of being in this number. Are you hearing me on this? Are you hearing me? If you, are, if you have taken up the cross and you are following the Lamb of God and you are pursuing Yahshua with all your heart, Chances are, my friend, you are in that number because there are not very many of us left on the planet today that do that. The vast majority are following after men. The vast majority are imbibing the words from beneath, and they are not living by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
the word of truth. That's who these guys are, people. That's who they are. They are the living, breathing word of truth. And yes, each and every one of them, by the time everything is all said and done, they are going to have the seal of the living God in their forehead, right? They are going to see that fiery finger of the living God coming out of nowhere at the speed of light. Man, right inside their mind, he writes his name in fire, with fire. Very similar to what you see in uh, in the Charlton Heston version of the Ten Commandments when he's up on the mountain and he's watching the fire of God inscribe the commandments in stone. I tell you truly, folks, that was a very accurate picture because that's what it looks like when that fiery finger is coming right for your head. <laughs> It'll blow your mind, and it's supposed to. And let me just say one other thing about the <laughs> about when you get sealed, you know, because you're thinking when he's going to come in and write his name within your mind, within your consciousness, right? <laughs> you tend to think he's going to do it in English, right? Especially if that's your language, but he doesn't. Comes in and it's in Hebrew. He writes it in Hebrew. I mean, that is phenomenal, you know? So you have to pray. You say, what does this spell? Because it happens so fast, you know? Oh, it happens so fast. But anyway, so you have to pray. You have to seek him. Oh, you got to find out all about this, you know? You have to say, what exactly did you, what exactly does this spell? All right? What exactly does this spell? So, I had to wait upon him, you know, for a while. And, 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 and what I mean by that is, is that, okay, what I mean by this is, is that you have to wait until it's like the Hebrew is, is transformed into English so you can see it. And he'll do that for you, but you got to wait upon him, right? And so I, I'll tell you, truly, people, truly, I had always thought before this event, that uh, it was going to be the Tetragrammaton, right? Y-H-V-H, but that wasn't it. That wasn't it. It was Eloah. (coughs) Excuse me. Eloah, E-L-O-A-H. That was the word that appeared. Wow, so I got to track down Eloah and find out what Eloah means. Well, Eloah means the God of truth. The God of truth. Go into Isaiah, man, Eloah, the God of truth. And that is what he is writing, people, in your consciousness, in your mind. He is writing the name of the God of truth, Eloah. Okay, so I want to reiterate again. There is not one single particle of Paul in these men. Not even a particle They have been utterly purged. What did they do? (laughs) Man, they are enjoying the fullness of the feast of unleavened bread. These men, my friends, are being lit up inside. They're being lit up with the pure white light, (laughs) the pure absolute white light of the Holy Spirit. They're being lit up. And this is for you. 
This is for you. This is what God wants to do for you. He wants each and every one of you to be in that number, to be in that number. And women, don't you think for one second that what God has for you is any less than what he has for these men, all right? Women, don't even consider for a second that you're second class, all right? In Christianity, women are second class citizens, especially in Pauline Christianity. What an abomination. I'll tell you what, the very best Bible teachers and, and, and secular teachers I've ever met in my life have been women. They're phenomenal teachers. Uh, my wife is, oh my gosh, let's say gifted. What she can put together in a writing, what she can put together in a broadcast, and and unfortunately, my my, my beautiful darling wife suffered a stroke in uh, in 2012, and she lost a lot of her research type abilities. Okay, but I mean, it it, it, it was bad. But anyway, she was one of the best teachers I'd ever met, if not the best teacher. It was like God personally assigned her to me and said, here's your wife, man, and she's going to teach you some stuff. And she really did. She really, really did. Taught me how to study. But I just wanted to reiterate that, gals, there's a super high calling on your life, a super high calling. Yeah, these are men, but you know what? (laughs) A lot of these men have wives, all right? They have wives, and they are included in that glorious blessing also. Don't just think it's for the men, okay? The men have a certain thing to overcome, gals, okay? The the men really do. Um, And it all goes back to the Garden of Eden, all right? Everything was entrusted to Adam, the man, okay? He fell. You all know the story. But here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal, and, and again, and I'm just going to go into this very, very, very briefly, and then I'm going to I'm going to close this out. But again, and, I, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say Christians are absolutely. I have not met one yet. That's why I'm saying they're absolutely ignorant about what the whole goal of the book is. All right, and and again, this is what happens when. You know, when, when, you, when, you, when you give a new convert or whatever the book and you have him start reading at the end of the book, he's not going to understand what's the goal, what's the purpose, what am I aiming at, what's my vision, all right? If you begin at the beginning of the book, you're going to understand something here, all right? You're going to understand what salvation is when you begin at the beginning of the book. And all you got to do is take a look at Adam and Eve and what would salvation be to Adam and Eve, especially after the fall? What would it be? What would Adam consider salvation? Well, Adam would consider salvation being having his supernova mega connection with the living God restored to him for one thing, okay? But also salvation to Adam and Eve, my friends, is being restored to the paradise of God and not only being restored to the paradise of God, being restored to the tree of life, having access, free access once again to the tree of life, that is is salvation for Adam and Eve. And that, my friends, is salvation for you. That's why it's absolutely necessary to take up the cross because what you're going to find when you do is the cross is your portal to heaven. The cross is your portal to paradise. The cross is your portal to the tree of life. And that is why it is exquisitely necessary to take up the cross 
right? And this is why Christianity had been, like, like I'd said earlier, man, they have not made it one sand pebble closer to the kingdom of heaven in 2,000 years of spinning their wheels, you know, not going anywhere, but they can't because they're living a lie. They're living a lie that the Torah was put away at the cross and that has killed the heart and soul of Christianity. But quite frankly, Christianity was never founded upon the Torah. And Christianity was never founded upon the words of Yahshua. Christianity in and of itself is founded upon Paul. And Christianity in and of itself is so Roman that when you step back and you take a look at Christianity objectively, you're going to see in a heartbeat why it is absolutely necessary that when Yahshua calls you out of that religion, that you hearken diligently to his voice and you obey him, all right? Because there is nothing in Christianity that's going to survive the cross. There is not one single Christian doctrine people in heaven, not one, not a single one, not even a particle of it. So salvation to Adam and Eve, people. Salvation to Adam and Eve is restoration to the paradise of God. It is, it is having that free access to the tree of life once again. That, my friend, is salvation. That's salvation. Not just getting a band-aid for your sin like what they teach in Christianity. It is having the power of sin within you utterly decimated, absolutely decimated. It is having the tree of the knowledge of good and evil taken out of you, supplanted, look up the name Jacob, supplanted by the tree of life. And when you have eaten from the tree of life, I tell you truly, truly, everything changes. The whole source of your being changes. The source of your being becomes the word of truth. Your thoughts, your emotions, everything you feel is generated by the word of truth after you've been to the tree of life. All right? And I'm going to end that. I'm going to end this with this and just allow you guys to ponder these things for uh, for a few days. And I'll get back to you. This is Michael. And I hope you're enjoying the blood walk. Bye-bye.